Welcome to the On The Edge Podcast with your host, Scott Groves. Yeah, it's so funny when people hear that for the first time, they're like, oh, this is actually right. for real. Professional, so professional. So this is my buddy Kyle, small business owner, uh, cigar aficionado and cigar shop owner from up here in the town where I live in Valencia. And, you know, the first couple episodes, we've been talking a lot about the the politics of COVID and the politics of what's going on and some elections and how people are making their money. And I realized we hadn't actually had a small business owner on yet. So just take it away, man. Tell us a little bit about your business and what you do. Oh, what do I do? I'm in tobacco industry, Um, tobacco, cigars, uh, retail industry. I don't know. What am I supposed to say? I, I guess, you know, we haven't really had anybody on that owns a small business and most small businesses are solo entrepreneurs, like maybe a couple employees. So yeah, just tell us about, tell us about the shop. Shop is just a small little shop in town center drive, um, Valencia. Been there for 14 years. I had to move probably twice or three times. I was settled in. That's a, it's a retail. We do, uh, we have cigar lounge where people come in, smoke and relax, enjoy themselves. Uh, become just a man cave, basically. It's just not too many uh, places like that anymore that you become yourself and you talk, you gossip, have conversation, you get to know one another, you meet uh, one of your friends, you know, you become a friend, you have a builder relationship, it's networking. Um, that's a, it's a lot. It's, this industry is a beautiful industry in many ways. It brings people together a lot. It's a small little niche. Not too many cigar smokers are out there. So our percentages are very, very tiny. Basically it. Yeah. What I have found interesting is I can walk into a cigar lounge in Pasadena, California, Valencia, California, Long Island, New York, uh, Austin, Texas, and the crowd's kind of the same, right? Like cigar smokers are cigar smokers. There's a certain demographic. There definitely are. Um, That's the beautiful thing about cigar smokers. They could sit down and have a cigar just like we're doing, me and you, and have a conversation for two and three and four hours and five hours, and let's do this tomorrow and let's talk up again, you know, and we connect somehow. Uh, just because of the beauty of having a cigar together, it's a very relaxing thing to do. Uh, get to uh, enjoy many different flavors and taste profiles in the cigars. Um, it's a beautiful thing. You just hit conversation and talk about it just to like what we were doing. Anything and everything, just about. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's crazy because I've sat in a cigar bar and been next to somebody who's a, you know, middle age progressive professor who's on one side of the political spectrum right next to somebody who's on the exact opposite of a political spectrum. And in real life, when you're enjoying a cigar and relaxing, you can have a civil conversation versus the shit we see on social media. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you can have, you know, from anybody and anybody and everybody that smokes cigars, literally that we get, you know, your clientele is completely different. Um, People, they're usually very successful business guys or entrepreneurs or business guys or anybody or doctors. I mean, we have so much of a big field that people that actually sit down and enjoy a cigar, you know, and have a great conversation together. So tell us what we're smoking right now, because you brought something really special for us to smoke tonight. I'm having a Padron 40th anniversary Maduro 1926, which is one of my favorite. It's just amazing smoke. I think they're having the 45 or the 46. I'm not mistaken. I can't remember. Yeah, the 45 year. It's really, they're really Very good. peppery, spicy, a lot of body, earthy. Um, great, great, great cigar. Yeah, and, and why, why, why 
explain to me why a $40 cigar, well, first of all, tell me why a $40 cigar is a $40 cigar in California, and then tell me why it tastes so much better than a $10 cigar. Well, you build, you build your bar, right? I mean, anytime you smoke an $8 cigar or a $9 cigar or $10 cigar, you change your, your uh, taste palette and your taste profile on the smoke. Um, but when you get into the higher-end smoke, it's just like having higher-end scotches or just like having higher-end bourbon, just like having a good wine. Sometimes you taste, a, you taste a lot of notes that you prefer to taste over another, and that's what makes a great cigar. I think the best cigar is the, the best cigar in, in your hand is the best cigar. There's no such thing as a best cigar, in my opinion, and I've been in the industry for 20-plus years. I think the best cigar is the... Uh, the one you're puffing on. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so so let's say somebody does buy a, a pretty high-end cigar, which is probably, what, $25, $30 California? Uh, California, it's probably taxes, most of it. It's not, it's not the cigar. Yeah, yeah so, so what percentage? 60% tobacco tax. 60% tobacco tax? Yeah, so let's say if that cigar is 20 bucks, you're paying maybe $7 into that just in taxes in California? Oh, my goodness. So every time I buy a $20 cigar from your shop, 7 bucks goes to the state. To the state. And then, and then how much did the cigar, like what's the wholesale cost? What's the profit margin? Like where do people make their money in your industry? Cause it seems like you're one of the many industries that the state of California is bending over. Well, we do, uh, we bend over very, very well. <laughs> but uh, they make their money just on volume basically. I mean, is how much you move of cigars and what kind of cigars do you move? Like I'm, our shop is known for high end smokes that we sell nothing but high ends. Even our, our um, clients that actually prefer high-ender smoke than, than lower-end cigars. Like, we don't sell a lot of bundles. We don't sell a lot of low-end smokes, I should say. But um, it's, uh, it's a tough industry, especially with California. It's not easy as it seems like. You know, everybody thinks it's very uh, very easy industry. Let me get into the cigar industry. Let me, you know, start, open up a shop. You know, it costs you a lot. Even just to build up a cigar shop here in California, now it costs you half a million dollars. 20 years ago, probably would have cost you 150 grand, but not anymore. So the, the cost of building a shop is half a million dollars. Is that licensing, compliance? Licensing, what? a CUP, conditional use permit from the city. Makes you go through hoops and hoops, and people got to agree whether there's got to be a cigar shop in that area or not. Uh, licensing, build-out, ventilation, all that plays a big part. You have to have a, all these things, all these components together. If you don't, you won't have a successful cigar shop. My yeah. Tell, tell me about the ventilation because I was kind of shocked. You know, I can go into your shop and smoke the gnarliest, darkest Maduro cigar, and the guy next to me can be smoking, and it, it doesn't smell like smoke in there. Well, it, ventilation it, plays a big part. Our ventilation probably cost over hundred grand just to build up a ventilation system in our, our cigar shop, and, and that was custom made. It's got HEPA filters. It's got charcoal filter. It's got anything just in everything you could think of of a ventilation that place so and, and how much of that was for the benefit of your clients and how much of that was required by the state because of the mini mall or the strip mall that you're in it's benefit for everybody you don't want to sit down you don't want to get cloud of smoke first of all if you're enjoying a cigar you don't want to do that you don't want your eyes to be tearing and smoke and you're like oh i can't breathe in here and i'm not enjoying whether it's any cigar that you're smoking um plays a big part Definitely plays a big part. Ventilation is everything for your health. I mean, you don't want to be just sucking in all that smoke in. But versus, you know, if you got a nice ventilation, people could sit down and enjoy their smoke and think they're outdoor, basically. 
Yeah. Yeah. I remember when COVID first hit about a year ago, you know, me and you and everybody else that goes in there were pretty pissed off because we were like, well, you know, there's a hundred thousand dollar filtration system in here. This is probably a healthier place to be than be a hospital. Outside. It's actually better than outside, believe it or not, in my opinion, but we were not allowed to do that. <laughs> oh, man. So what was that like? Like, how did you, how did you get the notice from the state that you're supposed to close down? Are you just supposed to like follow the media or it's, did you get notice as a small business owner? Well, the mall uh, first, the, the mall of uh, Westfield mall in Valencia uh, told us they were actually locking down. They're closing down. So we got, we got the notice from them. Then we got the notice from the city that, uh, not the city actually, I should got the notice from our governor, Nusser, that we shouldn't be open. Um, basically, we just applied and said, okay, well, thanks for our, for our uh, safety and everybody else's. And that's what we're, we're here a year later. <laughs> oh my goodness. And, and I know there were some times when you could like, you could open, but you couldn't open. And then they were like, well, you can be at 30%, but what's 30% capacity of a cigar lounge? Like, what's the guidance? I didn't been? think there was a time that you could open. Oh, you couldn't. There's there's nothing. There's I mean, we all try to do whatever we do to just feed our families, but there, I don't think there was a time that you could open. You're not, technically, you're not supposed to till now, which is a few days ago, last Monday, right? They said uh, you could open up, but even no, even even then, we don't even know whether we're applying right, we're doing the right thing, or we're not doing the right thing, which still COVID is out there, you know, so. Yeah, there, there doesn't seem to be a lot of clear guidance for the business. No. No, I was talking to a manager at, I don't know, American Eagle or The Gap or something like that, who's a friend of a friend. And he's like, yeah, he's like, you, you try to read the guidance and do the right thing. And it's like, you know, 30% capacity divide by pi multiplied by the distance to the sun. And right. then you don't even you don't even know if you're doing things right. Yeah. So how how are you keeping up? Like, is it just a common sense approach or, or is, is there a is there a business website you can go to? Like, We're not as busy as you think we are. So we don't have that much of capacity to worry about it. I mean, a lot of people are still afraid, I think, in my opinion come out even to come out and sit with one another everyone every human being looks at each other now in my opinion they think you're a virus of some sort you know you're not you're not they look at you like oh you got a mask on you don't have a mask on so it's all out there but but we'll get there i'm sure it's a matter of time hopefully in a few months time everything will go back to normal see yeah and how how hard has that been i mean you work in a job where the goal is to build community and be social. You know, a couple of years ago when I started coming to your shop, everybody coming in there, it's kind of like cheers. Like everybody knows your name and, and you're building a community and you're building a scenario where, where people can enjoy each other and commune. You know, yeah. it's like a, it's like a modern day church for right. some of these people. Right. Um, so how hard has it been for you for the last year of like not having that? Well, it's uh, extremely hard. I mean, it's not easy when you go in and you build something for past 14, 15 years and you go, you want to go to your job and you want to commute with customers and you want to tell them, you know, I'm sorry, I can't be there for you at this minute or uh, um, it's just, um, it's completely, I think it hit everybody different way, right? I mean, you just wake up one morning and you're like, okay, I can't go to work. I can't sell. I can't, I'm not allowed to open my business inside. I'm not allowed to do anything outside because we're nuisance from some, some sort, uh, you know, any cigar, anybody that smokes basically is just a nuisance. Um, so it's, uh, it's been a challenging. It's been a tough, tough, tough year. Exactly. Yeah. It, it seems weird. Cause I remember the guy that helped me get into cigar smoking 15 years ago. I, I remember he was, he was walking in Santa Monica smoking a cigar 
he gets pulled over by a bicycle cop, you know, in the sexy little spandex tights. And the guy starts writing a ticket for smoking on the beach. And my buddy looks over and he's like, I'm, I'm 13 blocks from the beach. What are you talking about? He's like, no, sir. In Santa Monica, it's considered the beach if yep. you can see the ocean. So you can't, sm you know, they just, to your point, they treat every smoker like a nuisance. And yep. look, I grew up in a family where everybody chain smoked cigarettes. And I'm sure there was some serious health effects oh, sure. to sitting in Denny's, oh, sure. you know, having half a pack right. of cigarettes as a nine-year-old over my eggs and hash browns. So I'm, I'm kind of glad you can't smoke in restaurants. But it seems like the pendulum has maybe swung a little too far the yep. other way. It did. Um, I remember actually first time that I left, uh, I drove out of California, I left probably 10 years ago, 12 years ago, went on a little vacation, me and my parents, maybe a little longer than that. Um, we went to Arizona. We got to, before just we got to Beck, Buckeye, there were small little Denny's on the side. So we pulled over and like a cup of coffee, you know, have a little breakfast in the morning. So I pulled over, and as soon as I walked in, they asked me, um, smoking or not smoking? I looked around, and I'm like, are you sure about that? I mean, are you telling me, is, do you guys have a smoking section? She's like, yeah, we do. Okay, so I'll sit in the smoking section. I'm dying for have a cigar, a cup of coffee in the morning. I'm like, there's nothing like it, especially if you're sitting down out of a meal, right? So as soon as uh, she sat us down, there's only a divider wolf that stands up probably about four feet high between smoking section and not smoking <laughs> section. I'm like, I already like, I'm sorry. That's right. I already, right. Like, uh, I already like Arizona. I mean, I wish I could move to Arizona in a heartbeat. Yeah. Um, Even in Vegas, where I used to smoke a lot of cigars, that's like a big no-no now. If you're, if you're walking around the casino smoking a cigar, they don't like it. You can't smoke any more cigars at the sports book. You can't smoke them at the tables. People can chain smoke cigarettes, cigarettes. and blow it in your face. Too. I think I heard to just go and smoke free also in casinos now. Oh, really? Okay. That's what I heard. So I don't know whether it's a true story or not, but I heard all, this, all the casinos just went in non-smoking. Interesting. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. You know. No cigarettes, no cigars, no pot. Oh, man. Uh, well, I can tell you, I just got back from Vegas. We were up there for uh, a couple of days, and the entire fucking casino smelled like weed. I mean, the whole, the whole goddamn thing. You walked from your hotel room to the bathroom to whatever, and it was nonstop weed in the hallways, in the rooms, in the casino. And I was like... You know, I'm, I'm not like a prude. I don't really care, but I'm like, dude, can I go anywhere in Vegas right now without no. just smelling like weed everywhere? Vegas changed. Even Vegas changed completely, in my opinion, after It's different Vegas now. It's not the same Vegas that you know. I mean, if you're going to go sit down between a small little box and you got plexiglass on this side and plexiglass on this side and the dealer, he can't touch your card, he can't touch your tips. I mean, why is, what are you even there to begin with? Yeah, I, I feel like you got to be a real hardcore Poor degenerate just to be gambling right now in Vegas. <laughs> I haven't been in Vegas for almost a couple of years, and I missed it, man. Yeah, because I when I went, I was walking around the casino, and nothing feels social. You know, right. like a craps table, you've got plexiglass between you, yep. and you got two plexiglass between you and the dealer. It just doesn't have that same energy. You were just there last week, I was, you? Yeah, I was just there on Monday. Um, I had to go up there for a business, uh, a little business trip, and... And yeah, it just didn't, it didn't feel, it didn't feel like oh, Vegas. Vegas. Yeah. Oh, by the way, man, cheers. Hello, brother. Yeah. Um, a buddy of mine turned me on to this place called the Blinking Owl. And they, uh, they're out of Orange County. They're the first authorized distillery that's in California. And 
you know, he gave me the whole hippie spiel and it's all organic and this and whatnot. And they don't buy the barley from some non GM stuff. I don't understand, but the byproduct is, um, I've, I've polished out about a bottle of this one night with a buddy of mine, no hangover the next day. I felt amazing. That's all that matters, right? Yeah. Cause there's no, <laughs> there's no whatever preservatives and things that they put in alcohol to, you know, have it have a 30 year shelf life. So this is, this has been pretty amazing. I'm pretty happy with it. That's awesome. I haven't been a big bourbon person, but a lot of my buddies in the shop, they turn me on to a lot of different uh, bourbons, and I'm like, wow. Start to like it more and more, especially on old-fashioned now. Just anywhere I go, i, I got to have an old-fashioned. Nice. And stuff. You know, uh, you mentioned a couple of days ago, now you can start opening up again, and you can have a, a little bit of some uh, foot yeah. traffic in your yeah. place. So yeah. what's, what's, your, what's your plan to get back to normal? Because I'm, I'm sure you lost a fair amount of money the last year. Well, yeah. I don't want to rub it in, but... Um, no, it's... I think it's just like building a new business all over, to be honest with you. Clientele are not the same people. Everybody's, uh, everybody lives a different lifestyle now. I mean, even me, I live a different lifestyle comparing to a year ago. You know, not a lot of restaurants, not a lot of going out, not a lot of uh, uh, activities, not a lot of being anywhere, just getting fatter by the day and eating more and drinking oh, me too. more. And Call I've the- never drank as much as alcohol of whole lifetime that I drank in probably the past year nothing else to do what what can you do besides going home and smoke a cigar and have a drink and have a little barbecue or something and this is it you can't be with anybody you couldn't get with anybody couldn't go to the gym couldn't, couldn't i mean no gym even even just <laughs> even just walking around the mall you know I, I remember my wife and i were bored you know if the if the kids were with grandma for the night we would just go the next morning at 9 10 a.m before the mall even opened just walk right. around window shop whatever yeah, of course. and you know it's not Cup exactly crossfit yeah it's it's not crossfit but you're and at least getting some exercise and you're moving yeah, yeah. So your life, I'm sure your lifestyle also has changed for the past year. You become very homey. You just want to come home, you know, sit home and go do your shopping, run around, get a carton of milk and a couple dozen eggs, and you're back, and this is it. Yeah, I'll tell you, we've I've moved from about one or two cigars a week to about one or two cigars a day because there's literally not shit else That's to do good for me. Yeah. It's really good for you. Yeah. <laughs> me and three other degenerates are keeping the shop open. See, that's, uh, that's what we're counting on guys like you, man. Smoke more, smoke more, baby. Yeah. Enjoy. Yeah. You know, that's a good question. What, you know, cause I know I've heard this stat on bars that like 90% of their revenue comes from the 10% of people that keep coming back. They're regulars. They have a few drinks a night. Um, what, what, do you have any thoughts or any idea on like what percentage of your revenue comes from what number of clients? Like you've got to have some really heavy smokers that are not heavy smokers. I have a lot of li- uh, lo- loyal customers and loyal clients and buddies and that kept me, especially in Santa Clarita. Here's such a small town. It's not like doing going down a valley. Valley just picks up millions and millions of people. Walk around, they come in, they shop. Whether they're for their dad, their husband, their their friend, their buddy. Um, here it's a small little small little town. I mean, so a lot of what's the population here? Three hundred thousand, maybe a little less. Yeah, something like that. Over three hundred thousand people. So what's the percentage of the smoker? Give it one percent of that, maybe five percent. Yeah, I'd be shocked. I'd be right? shocked if there's so, three thousand average God, smokers. I mean, a lot of guys kept me in business, and a lot of guys have throughout the years been loyal, and I definitely appreciate every little thing. You know, I mean, become like. One family, more than, uh, more just a customer and, you know, somebody comes in and buy anything. We care for each other. We love each other. A great bunch of guys, a b- bunch of successful people. You know, sometimes they give you a good advice whether to do this, to do that. I mean, I respect that on a lot of people. Take yeah. everybody's opinion and then you go about your day and see what happens. 
Yeah, I, I got to imagine if you're, you know, if you're comfortable sharing, I'm the type of guy where I'd walk in and have a cigar and then maybe I'd have a second one and then maybe I'd, you know, buy a couple to go home. But since you couldn't have anybody in the lounge, I'd stop in, I'd buy a cigar, I'd come home and I'd smoke it, Pretty you know. Much. A lot of guys kept the same relationship with me, text me, called me. Hey, you know, is there a way I can pick up a few now? Um, I tell him, sorry, you know, there's nothing I could do. The shop's is closed now. Yeah. Uh, when we opened up, a lot of guys reached out to ask me if you need help, you want anything, you need anything. So uh, it's been a great bond, you know. It's just, it goes back to 14, 15 years ago. I watched their kids being grown up. They're going to colleges. Uh, you know, you, it's the small little things that you see in a human being. And it's such an amazing relationship. I mean, sometimes I know... I spend more time with them than I spend time at home. So you get to know them from inside out. I mean, just beautiful people. Sometimes you meet a little bit here, a little bit there, you know, all different kind of personalities. And for the, you know, say calendar year 2020, you know, I know that you were, you could still sell, but you couldn't have anybody come into the store. Um, revenues off 20%, 80%? Uh, like 40, 50, 60. Oh, <laughs> man. So, I mean, I'm just thinking of survival. Like, I could probably make it, you know, really tight in my belt if I had 40, 50, 60% cut to my income. And I knock on wood, we were one of the few industries in the mortgage space that had a great year last year because rates were so low. And you and, I, you and I have talked about mortgages a bunch of times. But what does that look like? Does, it, does it, You know, as a business owner, do you just go into survival mode? Do you deplete your savings? Did you did you think about closing down? Well, like, what the, definitely, what the hell? Definitely saving. No, closing down, I never crossed my mind. I mean... You don't want to get to that impression and say, this is what's going to happen. This is what I see. I leave it up to God and I leave it to the man upstairs and say, you know, just go about, take it day by day. And so far, thank God, everybody's been helping. Even Westfield have helped us out and says, uh, do whatever you can for now and we'll figure it out later. I don't know what that means, whether they're going to give us one lump sum and say, here, this is what you owe or <laughs> okay, right, right. this is what it is. Uh, but uh, no, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of things help out. We kept the store open for a little bit. I mean, we had lost revenue, but it is what it is. Yeah, you go you tap, tap into your saving account and spend whatever you got for now and rebuilt again. Yeah. I've been down that road. I've been down that, you know, you lose businesses, you shut down your doors. But to no business at all, I've never seen that before. Yeah, it's, you know, it's nice to hear that Westfield Mall, big giant corporation, got in touch with you and said, hey, do what you can on rent. Because obviously when they rent you the place, they probably expect you, the expectation is that you can be open. Um, <laughs> so there's no fault of your own. So it's nice to hear that big giant corporations, which are villainized a lot now, at least reached out and said, hey, what can we do to help, you know, help you stay afloat? I approached them the same way. I told them, hey, you know, if uh, I'll do whatever it takes, but there's nothing going on right now. There's no business right now. I mean, what can you do if there's no income coming in? I just can't come up and say, here, you know, here's your more, here's your rent every single month. It's hard to do. It's not easy to do, especially when you see it going months, two months, three months, four months, five months, six months, seven months. Now, I think we're, we were closed for probably three months. It's probably March, mid-March. April, May, June, because of the riot, then the riot happened and everything else that we shut down again. We had to board up your store and go about it that way. And then we opened up and then you couldn't, you're not allowed to uh, have anybody in. You just got to do curbside. And who's going to come in our industry and say, you know what, I feel like this, you want to give it to me. 
Yeah, unless you're a real degenerate like me, and I say, "Hey, I, just I know what a, I like. I, I know what I like. Me, Here's a box. Give me, can yeah, you, give me a box of David off a box of Pedron. Can you shove go. it through the front door? I'll just, shove the cash under. It, we're good to go. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh, I, I was I was happy that there was no uh, riots or massive civil unrest up here in uh, in the Santa Clarita Valley, but I know a few of your friends that have cigar shops down in Santa Monica in the Valley. Santa Monica, I heard. Yeah, oh, uh, they got hit bad. real bad, right? They're, I mean, they're gone. Uh, basically, uh, they had to shut down their business and go. Oh man! And, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, and I'm ho- I hope I got the right idea. I mean, not the right idea, right conversation. I heard uh, insurance does not cover it even. You actually, if you don't have your policy under terrorism acts, the insurance does not cover you. Yeah. So everything that got stolen, you're pretty much on your own. Yeah, so I, I had heard something similar on a couple cigar shops, a couple small boutiques that were down there in Santa Monica that got destroyed, where if one person walks in, you know, holds you up, steals all your inventory, whatever, that's covered because that's theft. theft. But if there's a riot and it's an act of terrorism, the cops just let it happen, then your insurance policy doesn't cover that. Doesn't so cover. I, you know, I, I heard that one of the cigar shops downtown, I was reading a couple articles about it, you know, they lost $500,000 of inventory that was that was raided in a riot yep. and, and their right. insurance doesn't cover any of that. And, and I don't fault the insurance because they have their policies and they right. have their riders. But like, if I'm that business owner and I'm like, my insurance doesn't cover me, the cops just stood right there and let it happen. You know, I think people think that property crime is like a faceless crime and it doesn't hurt anybody. But if you're that business owner and your life's work is fucking gone, like that's, that's brutal. It is hundred oh. percent. Oh my goodness. See your livelihood just gone overnight, just disappeared. There's not much you could do about it. There's nothing you could do about it. What are you going to write a police report? Okay, good for you. Then what is that? Okay, take it off your taxes. What is that going to do? You got to have money to, to write off taxes. Right, right. And, you know, your average cigar shop that's, I don't know, maybe a couple thousand square feet, what do they usually keep on inventory? I know you used to do wholesale in the cigar business, so you sold to all these cigar shops. Is a cigar shop keeping 100000 a million dollars? Like, what kind of inventory? Some people run tight, you know, forty. Grand. Some some stores are seven, seventy, eighty. Some stores are two, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars of inventory. Some more. Oh man! You gotta have a variety, and and again, business is not cheap in California. So if you gotta have variety, you gotta come up with the cash. There is no if some but about it. That sixty percent tobacco has got to go to the state somehow. Yeah, and and so how does that work? When do you have to pay the taxes? Like, let's say you got two hundred thousand dollars of cigar inventory in your shop. So let's Do you, say today is what, 17, 18? What's uh, 18, I believe? 18th, yeah. So if it's 18th, it's, so it's due on the 25th of end of the month. Um, so you got seven, eight days to come up with the difference to pay them their 60%. And is that 60% on the wholesale inventory wholesale you've taken inventory. in? They're basically, it's counted in and then pass it on to the customer. But you got to schlub the money. You got to come up with the money up front pay it off to the state and regardless whether you sell it or not sell it you can sit there for 10 years but you already paid that money so oh holy fuck this is worse than i thought it was so if you bring in a hundred thousand dollar pallet of cigars to start your business right. before you sell a single one on the 25th of the month you're writing the state of california a check for sixty thousand dollars sixty percent correct how does any tobacco or cigar shop stay in business like you gotta be passionate you gotta love what you do yeah, well, love what you do doesn't mean you <laughs> shit money. Um, oh, yeah, but. So, wait a minute. So, okay, this, this, I, I, did, I, I thought I understood this when we talked at the cigar shop, but I did not understand this. So, the state obviously wants you to 
build out this store right. and then they want you to put in a giant filtration system to meet all of the regulation and then and then you've got to staff the store with you know real staff and cigars and equipment and couches and tvs and stuff and then before you even sell a single cigar on the 25th of the month after you purchase all your product right. you owe them 60 percent in taxes yeah before you sell a goddamn thing it doesn't matter you could throw it in the trash you gotta pay that money oh my goodness um so I, I so I got to ask when you, your store is beautiful, by the Thank way, you. <laughs> um, your store is absolutely beautiful. Before you made the first sale, the first credit card transaction, how much money were you out of pocket to build out that store and 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 put cigars in it and pay your first round of taxes? Uh, like taking me back 15 years. So I got to remember that. I think I got in probably back 15 years ago, it cost me probably roughly around 200 grand just so I could. And what would that cost to replicate today if you were starting from zero, getting the permits? Oh, just on empty shelves and ventilation and TVs, like you said, and couches and quite, you know, quite uh, core for the shop. Are you looking at five, six hundred grand? Five hundred, six hundred. And then and then, of course, you got to write the tax check. Then to, you got to buy tobacco on top of it. No, you got to buy cigars and put them on the shelf so you can sell. All right. So you buy another hundred thousand dollars worth of cigars. Then you pay one hundred fifty thousand. You pay another seventy, eighty thousand dollars in taxes and you go on about your business. So you're three quarters of a million dollars to open a business that sells a twenty dollar product. 30, 40, 100, 200. Oh, God. See, I, I, I think this is one of the things you know, whatever, we could talk about the fight for 15 minimum wage or the way that business owners and landlords and corporations are villainized. But the person who's working for 12 or $13 an hour, they don't have that job unless somebody like you puts up a quarter of a million, half a million, three quarters of a million to build the business and say, well, I really hope somebody shows up and buys something. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's just it's just crazy that people think through this idea of like, oh, the job just exists and the, the evil owner should be able to pay yeah. more. And it, it blows my mind. California has been uh, tough on everything. I mean, even business has been, even our business, I can't, I can't speak for every business, but tax evasion, I mean, it's, it's high in California. I thought of a million times, so let me, you know, sell out and get out and, and probably hated my business just because of the rumors, you know, and I, I said it myself wasn't a rumor. I said, I'll, I would love to cash out and just take off to Arizona, Texas, Nevada, Florida, somewhere there is no, you know, he can't get hit that hard can go about your passion and love what you do. I love my industry. I love tobacco and I'll be industry till God knows when, till the end, but it's just too, too much. Yeah. And is that, is that because cigars are lumped in with, you know, cigarettes being evil and unhealthy and taking 10 years off your life? Is it because California targets all businesses like this or? I think the bill is tied up together in my opinion and uh, they tied it up, whether it's manufacture on cigarettes, taxes goes up. Our tax come down. I don't know how that formula will work. The price of uh, prices uh, if tax evasion goes up on a cigarette, or yeah, tax evasion goes up on the cigarettes. Our price, our price, our tax goes down. If manufacturer prices go up, our tax go up. So it does. I don't. Know, I till this minute, I'm trying to figure it out, and I can't understand it. So there's a there's a different there's a different tax rate on cigarettes versus cigars versus are they manufactured versus are they just rolled? Just, yep. Interesting. Man. So does like a dude like, you know, with a three piece suit literally show up on the 25th to like collect your check or do no, you just Venmo it in? No, they don't. Uh, they do audit. I mean, we got, I've gotten audit several times. 
they they audit you. They want to make sure all your book, all your books and records are clean, and you're doing the right thing. You're not, you know, trying to backdoor anything or do anything legally. I've got audited before, and they taxed me actually on a free product that I got. I got taxed on, and I didn't know I'm supposed to be paying the tax on it. So you got free products. Some um, David off cigars sends you a couple boxes because as a thank you for selling so many cigars. Pretty and much. even if you get it free as a gift, you have to pay taxes on it. Well, I guess because they are they assume. Well, I'm sure they're just assuming you're going to resell it, so they want. Assuming their, they're going to resell it, or why are you buying? I mean, you're buying it so you could sell. You take advantage. I thought you take advantage of specials. Like let's say you're running a special today, and Scott come to me and say, "Here, you know, buy a hundred boxes of cigars, and we're going to give you twenty boxes on top of that." And you're like, "Okay, well." going to rejuvenate you know, sales and push out much as I can and all of a sudden you're like you get hit with the bill that you got to pay the 20 you got to pay uh, taxes on the 20 boxes that you just got and and does that how is that how it works like is the cigar industry kind of still old school where like the Davidoff rep will walk in and be like hey I've got a deal for you yeah. if you buy 100 boxes Absolutely. today I got to unload them I'll give you 20 for free some of them not all of them uh, you know cigars that we smoke Padron's got a name brand behind it they don't have to do it some smaller companies you know like let's say Regis or boutique companies they don't have that power so they want to feed it much as they can to get their name out there like you pass out some cigars to your customers, give them some free samples at an event, you know, stuff like that. But that comes with the price too. Even if you're passing out cigars, it's like hurting your pocket. If it's $10 cigar, all of a sudden it's costing you six bucks. You're like, okay, I'm giving you a free, but it's not free technically. Yeah, because you still got to pay the tax on that. Tax on that. So what, what are some of your, going back in time, 14 years when you were doing wholesaling and you were working with all the cigar companies directly and now that you buy from them, who's some of your favorite companies to work with like what do you what do you I like staffing all, man they're all they're all like they're they're one family yeah and got great it's a great industry it's such a beautiful beautiful industry because you meet so many entrepreneurs that just came in from different countries and different cultures and they built and all of a sudden you know they've been here for around 400 years and it's um i mean all i love every one of person that i work with whether rep with cigar owner whether you know, He's out in the field doing his thing. They're all great people. You go out sometimes to the their farmers in Nicaragua or Honduras or Dominican, and you meet this person that making a cigar with love. You know, actually, that cigar takes over a hundred hands to become a cigar. It takes a hundred hands to make the cigar. From plant from seeds all the way to become a cigar that you have in your hand. It takes over a hundred hands so you can have that smoke. Yeah. So maybe walk us through that because that's interesting. You know, when when you're growing up as a if you know anything about cigars, teenagers in your 20s, whatever, you hear about Cuban cigars or whatnot. And then I was kind of shocked to find out that like a bunch of the Cubans <laughs> defected and they just opened their own place in Honduras, Dominican Republic, Nicaragua. So like, where do the cigars of the world come from? I think it started in Cuba, basically. Uh, started, I believe, in Cuba. Uh, they have the best soil till this day. They have the best soil, in my opinion. And far it goes in tobacco because every time you're smoking a Cuban, it's just nothing like it out there. Basically, if you smoke 100% Cuban, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But uh, a lot of cigars have been it so far. Nicaraguans, Dominicans, Hondurans, Costa Rican. Um, but Dominican and Nicaraguan have really stepped up their game. Come out with great, great product. Uh, unbelievable products such as Padron, uh, Fuente, Davidoff. They make just unbelievable blend that they tweak together and make such a beautiful smoke this to have in your hands and you're like wow this is just amazing it's yeah. like nothing other and, and some of these higher-end cigars from again nicaragua dominican republic how, 
I, I don't know how to ask the question. Like, you know, like age, wine ages a certain amount of time. And, you know, if you get a really good bourbon, it's a five year or a 10 year and scotches go 20, 25, 30, 40 years. What, what is the, what is the time frame from when they like grow a, a tobacco plant to when you're actually smoking it for it to get that good, like rich taste? Time frame, I think it's probably uh, from seeds to they get it to a cigar. Uh, I believe it's probably maybe a year, maybe 18 months. By the time they sit on a tobacco, by the time they put it on a bar, by the time they fertilize it, they, by the time they, you know, um, box it, by the time they sit on it. Sometimes a lot of companies sits on a cigar for probably two, three years, four years, five years, and then they releases it. Becomes an A cigar to tell you it's a five year old, six year old, seven year old, ten year old tobacco. So does the tobacco age kind of like liquor does? Like it, it gets better or tastier? Of course. Okay. T- yeah. Tell me about that because I don't understand it. Like I, I don't understand anything about the the science, or I don't have a green thumb. I don't know shit about growing anything. I haven't grown anything to either. So, but I don't know much about the growers. But all I know is uh, they sit on a tobacco and it loses, uh, picks up a lot of flavor. It loses uh, their bitterness. Um, but every time you grow the tobacco in a field. They they hang you hung it you know of course and they do um, trying to remember what I said a long day but don't worry I get it man I get it that's why we do these late at night so we can catch people off guard I know because because you know I I've read in like cigar aficionado they're like you cure this and you do this and then you 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 there's just so many terms that I don't understand there is a lot there is a lot goes to the cigar and tobacco Um, but uh, yeah these guys are just. I mean, you have to see it to believe it. What what goes through in the cigar cigar world? Just, um, sometimes it's overwhelming. Yeah, definitely overwhelming. Have you been to any of the places in? I the, have several times. Yeah. Yeah. What, what's that like to visit and see, like from this giant leaf all the way down to actually getting worked on and and cut down? And and are a lot of these still hand rolled, or is it done by a machine? Everything is hand rolled. Everything is done by hand. There is no such a thing as a machine in our world. I mean, there's cigars made by machine, but everything is done basically from hand. Oh, wow. So That's what I tell you. When it goes through 100 hands to become a cigar, that's how you appreciate a cigar. When you're actually out in the field and you see all these people that, you know, picking, tobacco, picking the plants and let it sit and dries out and then roll it and then put it in a box press and let it sit for a while, ages, and then they put a wrapper on it and then they taste it and, you know. Yeah, so much work. It is. Is it almost makes a lot of feel... people don't appreciate? You know, they grab a cigar and they like light it up and think, "Oh, this looks cool." But there's so much art behind it. Not every uh, not every person could do it. No, no. I've seen um, I've seen a couple cigar rollers. There's one down in San Diego. There's a shop down there where, like, on Friday and Saturday nights, they have a guy sitting there just rolling kind of their their uh, you know their house blend, right. and they're they're okay. But you know, obviously, the tobacco, whatever you do to make tobacco great, age it and whatnot, it's not it's not top of the line. But it, it is cool to see the process of the guy just, you know, he's got a little saucer of water and he does everything by hand. He's got these old wooden tools. I mean, it looks like it looks like the manufacturing process hasn't changed in 300 fucking years or something. It's not going to change. He grabs a bunch and he knows exactly how much he's got to put a cigar from, you know, whether it's, the, let's say, the binder or the filler. And then he knows exactly how much to put Lajero in there so it doesn't. it's not overpowering. He knows exactly what's the spice. It's just like making food. I mean, it's just like my grandma and your grandma in the kitchen. Exactly, they know exactly what to do and how to do it and how to spice it. Some people go by measurements, and you gotta go. Oh, I gotta use this and I gotta use that. These guys, there's no measurements. They're just bunch of this, bunch of this, bunch of that. Put it together, roll it. Here we go. And it's consistency. It's 
just you know you get the same cigar over and over and over the same taste over and over and over it's amazing yeah you mentioned consistency i think you know with the stuff i smoke it's probably 15 to 25 bucks a cigar so thanks for bringing this um <laughs> you know even then it, it always blows my mind knowing that it's made by hand or now knowing that it's made by hand the consistency like i've never really had a bad box that burned weird or tasted weird or just like how when they're rolling thousands of cigars by hand how are they keeping that consistency they that's just what go back to what we said you know they they know exactly the right measurement to put in a cigar and they taste them and they test them actually in in the field i taste them and there's a small little machine they test the draw and how does it draw really well that's one thing with with cuban there is no better and do that they just put the cigar together and like i think it's perfect put it in a box so that's why sometimes you smoke a cigar and you can't puff on it and it's a little tight there's no uh they don't have the technology like we should say like they have the technology in nicaragua and honduras and dominica for for people that are non-smokers can you explain that what the what the draw means and why that's important for a cigar Draw is basically when you take a puff take a puff of smoke let it sit in your mouth for four or five seconds Retro hill, you'll get a lot more flavor. I just move this a little bit so we get that. All right, cool. Got you now. We're good. We're good. So um, you pick up a lot more flavors off the cigar. Retro hill. Taste a lot of notes in the cigar, whether it's peppery, whether it's spicy, whether it's creamy, whether it's uh, fruity, whether it's chocolatey, whether uh, every little spice. And if you do that now, actually, you'll pick up a lot of more flavors than you pick up from your mouth. So the proper way to smoke a cigar is to take a draw let it sit in your mouth four or five seconds and just kind of feel what the taste is. Sure. Yeah. I, I've tried to explain this to my wife because about once a month, my wife who thinks the cigar, cigars are pretty disgusting. She tolerates it, but she'll about once a month. She's like, man, you enjoy it so much. Let me take a puff. You know, right. we'll be in the jacuzzi or something. I'm like, hun, you know, we've been doing this every month for like five years. And then she'll take a puff and she'll be like, blah, 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 disgusting. Why did I do that? And I'm she like, probably end up in, she probably end up in Helen. Yeah, some sort. Yeah, she's got to get used to it. I mean, if you're gonna smoke a cigar, you really got to sit down and enjoy from from beginning to end. In my opinion, that's why you never rush. It's like rushing love. You never rush love. You just sit down and light up your smoke and go about your day and just unwind. And you have that time for yourself, whether it's an hour and a half or two hours. It's your time. That's what I think. It's so relaxing. You know, it just kind of takes you away from everything. Takes your mind off things, and you just sit there and puff on the smoke and it's no harm for you it's not like a cigarette you're inhaling you're hurting your lungs if any way or this thing i mean it's all pretty much natural there's nothing into it that's going to say you know hurt you in some sort of way yeah there's no there, there's really no, no chemicals no that are chemicals no tars yeah because the tar in the cigarettes is really what, what you know you. you burn the tar you suck it into your lungs that's what kills you pretty much but but nicotine itself is not well, other I than being a little body flushes it out i mean nicotine i don't know certain every certain you know probably a day or less than a day maybe your body will flush it out completely and you won't have nicotine in your body yeah there there is something about taking that hour an hour and a half to smoke and enjoy a cigar there is like a uh a, a meditative quality to it, it. is a meditate it's my like opinion is my first cigar of the day is just how do i go about my day yeah how many you, how many coffee? you smoke a day when like, i can't disclose that just because State board. Okay, perfect, perfect. <laughs> because of tax evasion. <laughs> no, I smoke probably, on average, I'll probably do three to four a day. You know, if less I'm busy and then I, I smoke a little less. Oh, but my goodness, three to four a day. That's probably my fifth. 
okay, five a day. And, <laughs> and, and, and you're not, you're not hacking up a lung every night. No, or, no, 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 it's not I like used, cigarettes. No, no, like cigarettes at all. I used to actually go to the gym and jog for five, six miles and then come, come back and light up a cigar right after the gym. Nice. Did you ever smoke cigarettes? No. No, not for you. I mean, I smoked a puffed on a cigarette, but it's not the same. Every time you light up a cigarette, get that yucky taste in your mouth. You taste like it's garbage disposal, in my opinion, but all respect to all the smokers, but it's not the same thing as smoking a cigar, obviously. Yeah. So tell us how you got into the industry. Like, you're, you're not natively from America. Where are you from originally? I'm from Syria. Syria. Oh, so kind of a kind of a, a hot spot right now in the U.S. Uh, media. Yeah, it is, man. <laughs> like, so I, I'm completely ignorant. You know, I only hear what I I hear on the news. What what the fuck's going on in Syria? Like, what what is what is the fighting about? Why is America involved? It's a long story, in my opinion. It's all politics, in my opinion. But it's gonna sit down. We're gonna sit down here for probably 48 hours. We need to discuss that. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna take a lot longer. Is it? I mean, is it a religious thing? Is it two countries uh, fighting each other? I don't think so. I think people fight over territory. I think uh, the big countries they want to slice the pie, and they, everybody wants to get their slice. So it all depends how much of a slice you get and how much slice of I get. Right. That's my belief, but. And, and who are, I, I don't even know, I'm, I'm so ignorant here, I'm embarrassed. Who are the players that are trying to slice it up? Is it the U.S., Russia, sure Iran? It's probably U.S., Russia, Iran, of course, I'm, I'm sure. But everybody's got their hands in everybody's pocket. Yeah. yeah. Plus, I don't want to get into a politic right, uh, right. No, I get it. conversation. Well, let's just talk about you, <laughs> you coming here. Obviously, your family came here for a reason. How old were you? And, and, and I came in pretty young. I came in when I was probably 16, 17 years old. Uh, Came my actually my my dad came in several times to the state and he liked it and he wanted a better future for his kids and better country. What is there to be a better country than U.S. You know, so he came in and he liked it in nineteen eighties. Came in twice and he came he came back and he said, uh, "What are you guys thinking of moving?" Being sixteen year old, I'm like, "Yeah, let's do it. Let's let's move. Is that easy?" And he goes, "Yeah, we can make it happen." So. And he sat down with me. He says, I don't want you to serve army. I don't want you to go to army there. And I don't want you to. Uh, I want a better future for you guys. I want a better future for my kids. And um, came here. So Syria has required military service oh, like yeah. Israel does. 18, or, they come pick you up. Come pick you up, take you away for a couple of years to couple serve. Years, two, three years and a half. You know, sometimes if you're a troublemaker, it lasts a little longer. And I was a little troublemaker. So I'm sure I would have been there for probably 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> they just keep you in the military until you get your shit together, huh? That's it, man. They said the biggest slice tomato would make a slice out of it. So yeah, they slice you up pretty quick there. It's kind of funny. In in some ways, I kind of wish the U.S. would do that and take a bunch of troublemaking kids it's, and be. I like, actually love military. Uh, believe me, I mean, I wish I came here and I went to military because you learn a lot of things. You become you become a true a true man. I mean, if you go to, in my opinion, I'm sure you served. Yeah, I was in the army. So um, it changes a lot of things about you. You know, it puts a lot of things that you've never seen and uh, makes you become a truly, a truly man. Yeah. And so you come here when you're 16. Like, what What does life look like? Did you speak English? Hell no. I knew, I knew yes, no, and that's it. Oh, my goodness. So you're 16. I, I, and I've heard my ex-wife was actually a speech therapist. Like, if you change countries after 11, it's much harder. Like, you kind of always get stuck with the accent. Learning the language is harder because you already have, you know, everything ingrained in your brain. So what's it like the first couple of years in America knowing how to just say yes and no? Well, let's just say I went to school for probably six months. I got thrown out of school because I was still a troublemaker. So I never got anything out of school. So my experience come from work. 
working, talking to people, conversating, and my English is not all that yet, but we're, we're getting there. Nice. <laughs> Thirty nice. something years later. Thirty something years later. And how long? How long have you <laughs> still learning? Uh, how long have you been in the tobacco industry? Uh, probably a little tobacco industry. Probably close to thirty years. Oh man, how, how does how did you start? What what jobs did you, did you like? With to? My cousins, you know, in the family, come over, help me out. Uh, liked it. Then I got to know my dad's buddy. Um, that actually got me into it, and he's like, "Let's do something. If you're interested, let's do something here." And we did, and we did like a, a lot of cigar shops together. Got into the whole society of industry. Uh, Two thousand and one, we got a big hit. So we had to readjust, change our business plans, and we did. Here we are. Yeah, I managed over eleven cigar shops in my lifetime. And and what is the what does the transition look like from being a you know a wholesaler where you're selling products at mass to like deciding you want to be a little bit more of an entrepreneur and just run your own shop? Like what what why the why the transition or what was the what was the rationale for that? I just liked it. I liked the fact that you go into a cigar shop, you sit down, you have a suit on, you have a tie on, you know, you just hang out and talk to, to people and sell cigars and network and get to know a lot of people in the, far from every industry you could think of, you know, from a little bit of everything. And we, we have clients from judges to doctors, mortgage brokers to attorneys to agents to anything from first responders to all of it yeah so that's what i really felt in love with i'm like i can network i could talk to people i can you know i could sell and got me into retail yeah retail is not easy i don't think it's uh the retail side of it is fun i would like to go back to the wholesale one day but for now we're stuck at a retail yeah <laughs> Uh, and, and how much business do you see transacting at the shop? Cause sometimes I walk in there and I'm like, Oh, those two are like heated in like a contract discussion. And those two, like, you can just feel that there's like kind of a, an aura of deal making, I guess, kind, kind of like there you is. were in a golf yeah. shop uh, on a golf course. There is, you know, you sit down, you come spike a conversation. What do you do? Oh, I'm a judge. So what do you do? I'm a business, business broker. What do you do? I'm a real estate agent. Oh, I'm looking for a house. I'm, you know, I'm so-and-so and so-and-so. And all of a sudden that, that conversation takes you to buy a house and then you become friends and buddies. And <laughs> yeah, it's, it's amazing, man. It's, it's truly amazing. Like sit down and talk to somebody for an hour, hour and a half, you know, and it becomes a lifetime relationship, you know, just, Gossiping and talking and getting to know one another. Yeah, I, I've had the benefit. That that was actually one of the big motivations for starting this podcast is, you know, I would walk into your shop or, um, you know, Chivas down in Pasadena or a couple other ones that I go to, uh, one out in Monrovia, and you'd sit down and over a cigar, you'd have an awesome two-hour conversation with somebody who's the CEO of Raytheon or, you know, some somebody yeah. who I would never have access to in the real world. Absolutely. And I'm like, oh, man, I just got some super amazing insight from this Jesuit priest one time yeah. or the CEO of a major company. And there's just, there's no pretense or attitude or whatnot where I feel sometimes if you're out in the, you know, out of the real world, people have a little bit of their like barrier, their shield up because right. of what they do for a living or what a big deal they not think. Having over, not having a cigar and a scotch together, no. Yeah, it just, it breaks down all those barriers. It does, it does. You need to talk about them and I've seen so many people that just built from knowing each other at the shop, they became a friends for past 10, 15 years. Yeah. Just till this day, they're best buddies and best pals and friends and you know, have cigars together, have scotch together, get the families together, and 
just have that click you know with someone yeah where can you find that in which industry can you find that in build a relationship with anyone yeah i i kind of feel like a whole lot of the social media infighting and the um the anger over politics and the you versus me and the tribalism i feel like a lot of that would go away if more people just sat down and had a cigar i agree yeah there's there's a guy i call him big ron um he's about i don't know six six 320 pounds played football for usc big guy one of the 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 smartest dudes i've ever met multiple degrees in in philosophy and he and i probably have diametrically opposed political opinions like he's a hardcore socialist and i'm a pretty hardcore libertarian and and we've just had the most civil conversations ever over a cigar you know he's changed my mind on some things i've changed his mind on some things where you know, I just feel like if we were having that conversation online, it would have, you know, degraded quickly into like name calling or just nothing positive. But when you're face to face, it's hard, hard to bad mouth somebody when you're face to face enjoying the same thing. So, yeah, especially if you uh, if you know your stuff, right? I mean, especially if you're intelligent and speak from the heart When you have your opinion, I have my opinion. That's what makes us so great. He's got his opinion. The other guy's got his opinion. That's what... Uh, makes the difference in the world i mean you have to have an opinion everybody have to have a voice i mean i believe everybody should have an opinion of some sort and have a and raise their voice of some sort not just shut me down and not let me talk and want about it yeah yeah what do you what are you most looking forward to now that things are opening back up looking for my business i can't wait to get started all over again i can't wait to uh, open my doors i can't wait to uh, start selling i can't wait to get back to my friendships i had over the years I can't wait to see all my clients back in shop again. Just a better future. Start. Uh, what's the best word to say? Start gathering, get putting everything together. Start putting the puzzle together. Yeah, yeah. And what, you know, maybe you have a feel for this. I know you've only been reopened a couple of days. And so, you know, talking to people, yeah, I got the text message from you. Like, yeah. you know, I think you can come on down. Let me know what you're smoking this week. And, um, what percentage of people do you think are going to feel comfortable, you know, this year we're recording this in March of 2021. What percentage of people do you think are going to be comfortable, like coming back to the shop and sitting with people, even, even if they're a little distance out a little bit I more think than normal percent. I don't think it's going to be a big percent. I don't think you're going to see a lot of people flock of people just come on and say, okay, we're back to normal. Uh, a lot of people are still scared. Yeah. A lot of people are still hesitant about what's going on. They don't know whether if you're vaccinated, you're going to be, better are you going to catch it if you're vaccinated are you going to give it to me if you i'm not vaccinated but i think it's a matter of time people have it takes a while people would regenerate rejuvenate and they say okay well i can get out there and i could you know i can go out to a restaurant and feel comfortable i haven't sat down in a restaurant for the past year myself yeah i don't even know how it feels to sit down on the bargain and have a drink yeah well, that's why we got to do it in garages man with the right. doors wide open <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. I ran into, and you know, I, I won't use his name just because he's not here to defend himself or set the record straight. I ran into one of your patrons, older gentleman, Vietnam vet. You know, he's probably the type of guy that should be more concerned about COVID. And he's like, ah, oh, fuck it. I smoke three cigars a day. I don't care what I get. You know, it, it just the the spectrum of attitudes of like, okay, I'm worried. I got to stay home. I got to wait for the vaccine. And then we'll, we'll see where we're going to turn to normal to like, whatever, I survived Vietnam. If I can't survive uh, uh, COVID, then just. I know uh, exactly what you're talking yeah, about. I know he just he just gives no shits and so it, it's very interesting that in in your line of work you get to know people well enough where you know how they feel about their health and their politics and their kids 
like you probably got people that are more open with you you know like you're their psychologist you're their uh, i feel like a bartender most of the time i don't feel like i'm a i'm a cigar shop owner i feel like a bartender i hear people's problems they hear my problem we have conversations just about anything and everything yeah, but I I know their personality. They know my personality. I don't have the best personality in the world. So, <laughs> but we get along. I mean, yeah. Some people, he, that guy, this, I love him to death. He's a great, great dude, man. And like you said, if he can survive Vietnam, he can survive anything just about. Right, right. Yeah, he's got some. He's got some crazy stories. Um, I do notice at your shop and a lot of shops, there's a lot of ex-military that are pretty avid cigar smokers. That's. Um, well, Sonic Rita, I think, in my opinion, it's either a first responder or ex-military. Yeah, why? Why do you think that is that there's so many, so many people in that world of first responders, sheriffs, police force, military, ex-military? What do you think it is that draws those type of people towards cigar smoking? Cigar sh- I, I don't know. I that I, I have never asked, and I should probably ask. Uh, a lot of people pick up that habit because. They think it's, uh, you know, let me try it. They know somebody that smokes cigars. Somebody give them a cigar before. The first cigar they didn't like, the second cigar, they're like, oh, it's rubbing on me. It's, it's a beautiful thing. I could I could see myself doing this. I could see myself smoking a cigar or two. But I haven't asked. I should ask. Actually, I should get into that and ask him what, what draws people to smoking the cigars. Yeah, yeah. I, I, a lot of people think it's cool. I think in 1992 or... Uh, I think in 92 when every actress and actress came out on tv and they were puffing on a stick it just looked cool yeah so everybody wanted to try it i'm like oh it's what's the taste of it a lot of people either smoke probably cigarettes and they give up cigarettes and they like i wanted something better to smoke i'm sorry oh no worries man you know the guy from vietnam he's calling okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> probably wants to tell you about a deal he's working on um yeah it's uh it's interesting because I, I do remember a time in the 90s and the early 2000s where it was like you would see on like the cover of some magazine like Angelina Jolie smoking a cigar, mm. Jennifer Aniston smoking a cigar. And I was like, that's weird. Like when did, you know, when did Madonna get into smoking cigars? Yeah. And then I know when Schwarzenegger became the governor and he's like a, you know, he's Little probably a 10. Yeah, 10. Yeah. Tell people about that because I think that's pretty hilarious. Uh, he got in there and I, it's first day. I think he said they told him you can't smoke in the Capitol. And he's like, what do you mean I can't smoke? I'm governor. Uh, they said you can't smoke. He's like, okay, well, gonna have to fix that problem so all my meetings gonna be outside you guys gonna build me up a tent and they build him a tent and he said pretty much i don't think he stepped a day in the capital unless he had a meeting or conference but other than that i think most of his day was outside in the backyard smoking dude that's the most hardcore baller move when you're such a cigar smoker right? that he says i, I need you to build me really do. <laughs> build me a tent me in a the tent. in I'll the in the capital parking lot so i don't have to go in the capital building so i, I can, can smoke, smoke cigars all day yeah and you've seen probably his uh on facebook sometimes he comes out and he's like my uh I don't have to run to my wife. It can't say or can't comment on me smoking cigars because uh, I'm trying to remember every word he said. He says, my wife can't comment on me smoking cigars because my father-in-law turned me on to cigars. If she has to say something to me, she's got to say it to her father as well, and she's not going to do that. So you go hide in the back and smoke your cigars while I smoke my cigar in the house. <laughs> Oh man, what are what are some of your favorite smokes right now? Like, what do you obviously? I smoke Padron's a little bit of everything. Yeah. Um, I love Padron. I love Fuentes. I love David Offs. Those are my like go to. Uh, Flor Dominicanas are probably my, my favorites too. I smoke a lot of them. I I smoke everything. I like a variety. 
Yeah. What will you do? And and because of the laws that Obama passed, can we can we get Cuban cigars? Can you no. can you smoke them? No, it's still a pain in the ass. A lot of people go. I mean, you can get them from the airport. You can get them from just about everywhere. Um, traveling outside the state, I think. I mean, outside the country, you can't. But I don't think you can. Got it. Got it. So we'll have to. Uh, Plus, they follow the truck sometimes, and then. Yeah, well, you know, if they, if they if they accidentally get shipped to you from Amsterdam, <laughs> theoretically, um, then you're allowed to smoke a few here and there. Yeah, I've heard I've heard uh, that there's some online sites where you can buy them, but I wouldn't I wouldn't endorse that. Of course, I would never endorse anybody <laughs> breaking never, the law. I've on, never done that on my know. podcast. Neither have I. Of course not. I don't um, support. I'm, these are my biggest competition. I don't support anything online. Oh yeah, yeah. So big uh, fan. How does that? Um, how does that work? So the the online retailers, um, obviously, they're your biggest competition. Is that because is there a difference in the taxes they pay? Or oh, there ship is. out. So anytime you ship out of state, even me, if I have to ship out of state, I don't have to pay California tax. Anything that sells in California, I got to pay the tax. Got it. So if there's a cigar shop in Vegas and they've got a lower ship tax to California, rate, they ship to California. They have to pay, they have they pay, don't taxes. Have to pay the taxes. Oh man! So it's not only that California is taking sixty cents on the dollar with taxes; they're charging a sixty cent on the dollar surcharge. They're really putting you at a disadvantage if you have to compete against well, other online shops. So. Very, very much so. Oh, man, do you, do you think California just wants to put the entire ta- tobacco business out of business I in don't California? Think so, but I think they're uh, the way they look at a business concept. They should be looking a, a lot better on it. I mean, if they want. More revenue, they should be taxing online, in my opinion. If they tax online, we have more uh, grant to stand on as a cigar shop owner. I wouldn't be selling this cigar for $40. I'll probably be selling this cigar for 30 bucks. Same price as the internet, and it's in the field now. Let's see who can produce more and who could sell more. Right. But now there's so many disadvantages that just you can't. There's no way you can keep up. There's no way I can eat the 65% tobacco tax and... Yeah. with the online business. Well, you got to pay your bills. You got to make a profit or something. Sometimes, <laughs> not all the time. Oh, <laughs> uh, is there kind of established profit margin on cigars? Like, obviously, the taxes change the the total. You know, the the total price, but the net price to you. Do you have a idea of like, hey, I really want to profit ten percent, five percent, thirty percent on a can, sale of a cigar? It's very competitive. I mean, want to be out there and if you want to be selling a lot more product and a lot more volume of course you're going to take a big hit on your on your uh, revenue you just can't mark up the stuff pretty expensive than your customers know i mean if you show up to the shop today and you know that cigar is 29 bucks everywhere and i come sell you the cigar for 35 you're going to think i'm gouging you for a reason why right so just got to cut down on your profits sometimes and our profit is not big profit i mean sometimes we work on 30 40 50 percent on some stuff, some stuff you're making 20%, some stuff you're making 25%, some stuff you're making 50%. Yeah. On the lower end, you could make more. On a higher end, you can make less. Got it. Got it. So the higher end cigars, you actually make less? Some of them you do, yeah. Yeah. Because you got to be, you know, with a certain price point. Otherwise, if you go above it way too much, it's not going to sell. It's just people are going to say, okay, why would I sell? Why would I get, buy the cigar from you for 45 bucks when I can get it for 22 Yeah. Yeah, of course. And and how long does this how long does a stick sit in your shop? Like if you're well, it depends. I got cigars that sits for 15, 17, 18. Wait, you have cigars in your shop that have been sitting for fifteen years? Some of them, yeah, not all of them. Because you but just I gotta mean, eat. Uh, some tobacco product you like, you put it on a side. Some that doesn't sell or doesn't turn over as quickly, so you sit on it for probably a year or two, three. It doesn't sell, and 
but it's that person that takes that one person that loves that one brand because he smokes it once and he likes it and he's like and i really don't want that flavor yeah it makes it so different and he comes back to you and he's like man you still have these you know three years later still got those i'm like yeah i still got those four years later five years later ten years later still got them still got them you know just get better with time just like wine oh yeah i guess that's why you can keep them forever right you you keep them well humidified they just they get out there in magazine they're probably 1950s 1960s 1980s oh man and they're worth a lot of money yeah so you you mentioned the cigar and the ratings i you know i'll I'll thumb through cigar aficionado a cigar aficionado some of the articles are good whatever but when they rate the cigars and they're like most of the cigars that they rate are in the 90s, so 92, 94. Can you explain the cigar rating I think that's just process? going based on one person's palate. I mean, me and you are smoking this cigar, and we take the band off. It comes down to our palate. It all plays what, what have you eaten? What have you drinking? What do you compare it into? Smoke this cigar, now today you're having this cigar with, with bourbon. Try that cigar after a steak, after a full stomach with bourbon. It's going to taste completely different. Try that cigar with a cup of coffee on an empty, an empty stomach with just coffee that kind of cleans your palate. It's going to taste completely different. So that's what makes, I think, in my opinion, makes a cigar like, oh, I'm going to rate it 93, 94. I think to me, as being person being in the cigar industry, rating doesn't mean anything. Rating is the person palate. You should rate the own cigar in your own way. You should say, I really love this one. This one I really didn't care for. And you can't judge a cigar by smoking it once and twice. You judge a cigar by the third time you smoke it. Then you could say, this is a really good cigar. Or Yeah, I try to get through a whole box and then, and then, I, and then I make a decision. Yeah. And what did you come up with? Um, I, I don't know. Like the, the, the ones that seem to taste the best to me, the flavors. The more expensive ones. <laughs> yeah, of course, the more expensive. <laughs> Funny how that works. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Davidoffs. Um, you know, the, the, the darker, the thicker gauges. For some reason, I don't like, um, explain the, the color of the wrapper. So to, to people that are just complete cigar novices and it's stuck around for some reason, I don't know why to listen to this. Um, what, what, what is the difference between a light wrapper, a dark wrapper? What are they called? How do they taste? Cause like I, I've, I've really gravitated like the lighter wrapper, um, Davidoffs, I'm not nearly as fan of as like the Escurios, which have like the real dark spicy, kind of like oily, spicy right. wrapper. Yeah. So can you talk a little um, bit about that? Wrappers are many. So you got many, many wrappers. You got uh, basically Connecticut. You got Maduro. You got. Um, there's uh, several wrappers. So there's Havano, Habano. There is uh, Connecticut. There is Maduro. There is Broadleaf. There is. Um, there's so many variety of a wrapper what makes a cigar, and that's how you get your taste off that wrapper. Most of the cigar, 60% of flavor that comes comes from the wrapper itself. So the binder and filler plays a big part, which is 40% of the taste, but the wrapper is what makes the flavor of the smoke. So Connecticut is usually pretty light smoke. I mean, yes and no. Some of them, all depends what's inside of them. It's like as a binder and filler. Some of them are a lot fuller. Uh, some of them are a lot more creamier. Some of them are a lot more softer cigars. Some of them are more uh, classic, just light, light, light body. Uh, some of them are dense and full body and spice. So it all depends what makes the cigar on the inside and outside. So, because this is something I don't understand. If I'm smoking a Davidoff with a really dark wrapper, 
the 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 leaf or the tobacco that's on the outside wrapper that's a different type of plant or a different type of tobacco different, than what's on the inside of the filler completely, which is different plant completely completely different plant so how, how many plants are going into like one good oh, cigar we got probably seven or eight blends in there seven different eight tobaccos in there oh wow so seven eight different types of plants, plants cured differently and, and then they just roll all together pull it taste it and say okay i like it i think this cigar is going to be a hit put it out there and it's got to have enough tobacco of it to produce more. Oh, man. Is, is that why they come up with limited... Uh, limited editions? They only have so much small edition of bills. So they have only several, let's say, 200 kilos or 300 kilos or 500 kilos, whatever, of tobacco. They say, okay, well, this is going to be a small little batch, small run. They come out with this tobacco, amazing smoke. They put it out there. And once done, it's done. You don't see it anymore. Interesting. I, I notice there's a couple cigars that I really like or liked, and maybe they're still great cigars, but the taste profile has changed a little bit. So I'm thinking specifically of like some of the Oliva Series Vs and the Liga Pravadas, like the T52. It still looks the same. It still has the same wrapper. And maybe it's just my palate has changed, but I swear to God, the ones that I smoke today, they still taste good, but they taste totally different than what I smoked three, four, five, seven years ago. So does the does the does the type of tobacco or does the does the, I don't the think things tobacco, change? I think soil plays a big part. In my opinion, I mean the farmers will probably know and the owners of the companies will probably know. Um, I think the soil over time that changes as anything. You you, fly, you plant a flower today and you let it you know, have a full plant, you rip it out, you put a new one in, you're gonna have a completely different look of flower and completely steam stem and everything else. So I think that that has a big part in it. Some some people let their soil rest for a bit, do it all over again. Some people just okay, I want to produce, so let's let's produce more tobacco. That's what's happening in the industry. Let's face it, you can't keep up with every single person out there that smokes cigars. I mean, we went through four hundred four hundred million cigars. 500 million cigars last year. 500 million cigars is an industry. Yeah, so those plants and that soil is turning over a lot. Turning over a lot. And then is it kind of like wine? If you have a, a bad season, a sunny season, and a floody season, I, I imagine that also changes oh, the yeah, profile of, of the tobacco, you know, right? They get hit. Let's say Dominican get hit with tsunami of some sort or burns or they lost their crop. They lost their the whole year of work. So now it's gone. Now you got to sit down and wait for another plantation to grow and becomes a full tobacco and start all over again people work really 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 hard to make a full-on tobacco just like that it's not it's not an easy thing it seems it's, you know it's just like oh i'm I smoke a cigar right now it's not uh, there's owners i mean they really love what they do if they don't they wouldn't be making cigars yeah it's not about money most of the time it's not even about money it's just about passion wow just enjoy it and they'll have generation after generation after generation just in the business yeah, I, I've seen some of those ads where it has like, you know, grandpa or maybe deceased grandpa who defected from Cuba, Cuba in the 50s or yeah. 60s and then, you know, son and then grandson. And now yeah. there's great, great grandson who's seven years old working the fields, Field. learning, learning the business. He's, he's going to probably keep up with the family, keep with the name and just keep with uh, keep the same recipe that they actually, you know, uh, passed on. And amazing yeah 150 years later you still have a company that stands up and sells they started off in a garage somewhere and all of a sudden they became a big company and selling product to everybody in the world that's awesome 
is is there anything new? I mean, you know, we talked about the fact that this stuff is hand rolled and the tools that they use. Is there anything new in the cigar business? Is there anything that like, oh, that's an interesting either innovation or taste or type of filler? I mean, there, it, it seems like every time I go into the shop, there's like a brand new brand that's like exciting or hot or is making something really good. Is there? Is, a lot of people want to come up with their own cigars. I mean, till this day, you have people. Yeah, I got a couple hundred grand. Let me go try my luck and see if I can strike a gold and I can make a really business out of it. Some people do it for, for money. Some people do it for love. Some people do it for, oh, maybe I can make a name for myself and make it happen. Um, but anybody is a, anybody could go today. You can go yourself and say, I'm going to go to down Nicaragua and I'm going to go to walk into a manufacturer and make my own cigar and based on my palate. And you might come up with something amazing. I say, okay, give me this, give me this, give me that, put it together, let's see how it tastes. And, but I think uh, there's a lot similar tobacco as well, too, similar taste in tobacco. Yeah, I, I need one of my friends to get married, and unfortunately all my friends are married because the only way my wife's going to let me go to Nicaragua or, um, uh, you know, Dominican by myself as if it's for like a bachelor party. And I, I've, I've read about these tours where you can go to the packing plants and the rollers and you can effectively custom make your own box. You can say a little bit of that, a little bit of that, like you can't, roll, roll, you can't. roll a Scott Groves box. And that's what, I mean, it will either help the industry or hurt the industry. Cause now you got so many of brands, so many you got to keep up with started. I started, I should say for myself, some years ago, there wasn't many brands on the market. There was um, cigars on the market. Now there's so many. I can't even keep up as a cigar shop owner. Like every day there's a new cigar coming out. Every single day there's something coming out. Every single day there's something unique on the market, something different. It's good and bad in some ways. Now the customer comes in the shop, he doesn't know what to smoke anymore. Yeah. Like, do I try this or do I try that? It's just like kid being in a candy shop. Like, I'm gonna, I want to try this, but no, no, no. I heard a lot of things about this. There's so many customers that come to me and tell me a brand names I've never even heard of, and I'm in the industry, and it makes you feel like you're, you're that small, you're uneducated, you know, you just, <laughs> you don't even know your industry. I'm like, I've never heard of such a thing. Oh, what are you talking about? I'm like, I haven't heard of it. I haven't seen it. I don't know what it tastes like. I, I, I can't comment on it whatsoever. Yeah, I, I always try to get, when I go to a new shop, I always try to get one cigar that I know, that I know I'm going to like, and then ask for a recommendation from the shop owner. And I've ended up with some you know, newer brands, Atabay or Tabernacle or a couple things that maybe aren't carried at every shop. And then I'll go to another shop in a regionally different area. And I'll be like, hey, you have any of those Atabays? And they're like, how of what? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, dude, this other shop had a whole wall of them. Like, it seemed like a big yeah. deal. Like, you know, just as just as prominent as like a Padron or a Davidoff. Yeah. And, you know, they, they just don't even know because there's a couple thousand different, you know, brands. And, and there's leaders in our industry. Uh, Padron is definitely a leader. Uh, Fuente, uh, Davidoff, all these big brand names that's been there for years. Uh, La Flor Dominicana has been there for a long time Tatuaje has been going for 15 16 years 17 years maybe now there's so many names that just actually stood up and continued and battled the good the bad uh, all of it and just kept on making cigars rocky patel all that uh companies i should give credit to everyone every one of them and they uh they stood up and they make it happen a lot of companies they come and go too i mean they make great product they come in and fortunately they go to the maker they don't own their own plantation they go to a maker, they want to make the same cigar, and they can't. It's impossible. Yeah. I mean, let's just face it. If you're, if you're, uh, if you're making the cigar and you're, you have the f plantation, 
I come to you and you make me a good cigar today and I'll buy 100,000 cigars from you, what makes me think that actually the next 100,000 cigars are going to be the same? How come you don't give it to somebody else? I mean, I just that's the, the industry that little guy worry about all the time. Yeah, yeah. Have you been to, um, I always get advertisements for this, the big smoke up in Vegas where they have like uh, a big trade show? That for, that's for rookies. For rookies. <laughs> What, are, are there any other guys uh, that they don't smoke as much? Are there any trade shows that you like? I've never been to the big smoke we either. Thought but it was a trade show that actually stands for our industry only. It's only for wholesalers and retailers, and they usually do it either in Vegas, Florida, all the, every every other year, every two years, somewhere else. Like this year, I think it's going to be in Florida in July sometime if they open up. Hopefully, last year was supposed to be in Florida as well too, but they never made it happen because of COVID. Um, but it's so beautiful. I mean, you'll see the manufacturer, you'll see the maker, you'll see the product right there. You taste a lot of product, you sample it and like it. You just stock up and buy, and that's what we do. Uh, but basically, you'll you'll learn everything you need to learn about the tobacco there. Well, if you need somebody to like carry your bags to or come, else, to, you want to come co- along? I, oh yeah, I'll, I'll come along as your well, junior you apprentice or something. That. Just, she's uh, number one. Now. I'll, I'll talk. I'll talk your wife into like <laughs> going to the spa. I'll be like, I just need a ticket to the event. She actually loves it. She loves our industry as well. Really? So she she uh, picked up cigar smoking and she loves cigars. She'll have, sit down, have a cigar with me. My son would go to Himador, grab me a cigar, and say, "Hey, pops, have a smoke." Pretty cool. Yeah. Do you do you ever worry about that about your kids like? Picking up other I bad don't. habits, quote unquote bad habits, because you I know, can't wait for my kid. I'm not. I'm not going to tell him that. I mean, he's only right. 11 years old now, but I can't <laughs> right. wait for him to to be 18, 19 years old, so I can have a scotch with him and and have a cigar with him. Believe it or not. Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting. And leave a memory, you know, just one day that say, you know, I did this with my pops, or I had that experience with my parents. Why should it be a taboo? Yeah, smoking. It's not um, cigar, especially. I mean, I'm not going to give it to him at 11, 12 years old and say, "Come and have a cigar with me." But <laughs> right. Turning 18, 19, I don't think there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, that's that's interesting because I I think Karina, my wife, who maybe some people are listening to this know, I, you know, I'm I'm not much of a drinker. I don't have a lot of bad habits. I probably cuss too much in front of the kids, and I I, I smoke cuss a cigars lot too. But I'm being a good guy here. Being so a that's good guy. I probably I'm watching every word I say before I say it. Oh, it's all right. You just because uh, <laughs> every other word would be like toot. Yeah, no, no, we we don't we don't bleep anything else on this podcast. We're never going to be advertising to kids, but um, yeah, I, I think Karina thinks sometimes like, ah, man, you've been smoking a lot since COVID, especially, and now the kids are getting used to like, oh, daddy's smoking or whatnot. And I, I know she definitely doesn't want him to smoke cigarettes because you know we don't want him to die at forty five. But um, yeah, I don't think I'll have any problem with my kids. You know, I got a nineteen year old. If he decides he wants to smoke a cigar I with me when he comes out, wait. I am not telling you. I swear, I. I can't wait to sit down and have that experience with my boy and say, sit down, here's a scotch. You want a drink? Let's drink. Have a smoke? Let's. Yeah. How, how many family members or, or friends do you think that you have a deeper relationship with because of smoking? So uh, I got a big family, and I have a lot of friends that actually are even in the industry. They're all in the cigar. Either they have some sort of access to tobacco. Um, but they all pretty much everybody that I know, probably ninety percent or ninety five percent the people that I know smoke cigars. Yeah, and it becomes an expensive habit if you go in somebody's house and he's got twenty five people there and you only got ten sticks on you. Or if you're like, oh, you should have told me there's fifty people going to be here and I'm going to smoke two three boxes of cigars. Yeah, yeah. I I, uh, I went to a wedding in Boston one time. I can't, I honestly can't even remember who it was for, but I remember one of the things that the grooms did because the groom's 
future father-in-law. So the bride's dad was a big cigar smoker, you know, one of these crazy exclusive clubs in New York. And we were out on some Boston Island. I don't know where the hell we were. So anyway, we go to this wedding and uh, I just, I remember my ex dragged me there and I didn't really want to go. And then we showed up and they had a private cigar roller with just kind of an unlimited selection of cigars. And it was basically me, six, seven other guys, the the bride's father, and we just sat in the corner all night and smoked. And like, I, I communed with them and got to know them in a way that you would never get to know anybody at a wedding, just sitting at some table, you know, having some shitty, do you want the fish or the steak? And, um, and it, it was just a great experience where I got to know one of them actually stayed friends and we're, we, we talk all the time on Facebook and one day he'll come out here to be on the podcast cause he's got a really interesting job. And it's just crazy how that relationship goes so deep, so fast when you're kind of a captive audience, you're sitting there smoking, you got nothing else to do. You're not going to make small talk for two hours. Right, right. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. What of um, so probably about maybe years ago, four years ago, one of my dear friends invited me to his daughter's wedding. So he goes, "Come on along to to the wedding," and yeah, we'll definitely show up. Up me and my wife, and the, the night before it, he came actually to my shop and he wanted to borrow an ashtrays. And he's like, "I don't. We can have a small little smoking section, so you guys could smoke cigars." Because he invited several guys from the shop. And we all have that little click, you know, they're very tight together. We've known each other for past 15 years or so. So we show up to the wedding and I'm like, where's the smoking section? He goes, it's, it's in the backyard. He did it in, uh, I'm, um, trying to remember that area. Out in, is it not Acton? Can't remember the name of the town anyway. So he did it in the backyard. It was beautiful done. He's got lights on. He's got full bar. He's got seats. He's got, you know, he's trying to cater to everybody, trying to make sure everybody's well taken care of, especially the smokers. He came and took all the ashes from my shop, and he put them as that little smoking section in the corner. He goes, please, whatever you guys do, don't smoke anywhere near people. Our smoke or smoking section is story ends that we never smoked in the smoking section everybody ended up smoking where we were at and we had so many people that end up smoking cigars that night or just cigar lit every single way that you could think of just because of that now, i'm sure the bride was excited about that that her know, wedding just turned into a <laughs> cloud of smoke oh man uh, she's the, adult. the groom's just like sneaking away to smoke <laughs> a cigar not talking <laughs> to anybody like, yeah, don't smoke he's like he's got his scotches for us on the side he's like you know if we're serving beer and wine for everybody else's but guys have you scotches three four bottles i end up drinking out of the bottle there i mean much as we were having a good time i'm like this is fun night ever i've never seen any wedding like this and i've never you know you've been around with your buddies and lighting up a cigar after another and just having a good time and drinking and they're like you guys have your own gang of some sort because you're just having too much fun i'm like this is too much fun it is definitely so much fun. Yeah, you, you mentioned that pairing with the scotch or having a cigar on an empty stomach and a coffee just has a different flavor and a taste profile to it. What do you, what do you like to enjoy a cigar with? Food, dinner, booze? I like, I like my first cigar. first cigar of the day is my best cigar of the day. I uh, have a cup of coffee in the morning, early in the morning, with my, my cup of coffee, and I drink Turkish coffee, we call it. We have it's Syrian coffee, we call it Turkish coffee. It's making your, it's like you're drinking a sludge out of this little cups. I can't do it, man. I, I grew up with a lot of Lebanese friends, a lot of Armenian friends growing up in Glendale. The old, same, pretty much. Holy shit, people. man. It's like a little shot glass that it might have. You take it and you run. So picture I have a whole pot oh, of this thing. God. Buy a cigar in the morning. It's so strong. I get my heart 
pumped up in the morning. I don't know how you'd have a heart go. attack in the morning between the cigar I and the coffee. I just had actually a pot before he came over, so this one a little... A little, a little edgy. You're like, you're like ready to take a swing at me. You're like, don't move fast, Scott. Don't move fast. Yeah, I don't but, know what I'm walking into, so I'm like, let me have some coffee. Yeah, yeah. I'll get the nicotine over there, but I'll have some coffee here. All right, so you, so you have your Turkish coffee, Syrian coffee. I have um, my coffee, and I pair it with a cigar, and it's like becomes uh, once you become a cigar smoker and smoke so many brands, you're like you have this craving. It's just like having a craving for a meal. That's how I describe it. And it's probably not the right way to describe, but I describe it as just like having a, you're craving a steak or you're craving a pasta or you're craving bonalese or just like, oh, this one looks good right this minute. So you clip it and you go sit down, light up your smoke. You have that hour, hour and a half for yourself. And you think about how you're going to go today. Some people wake up in the morning and exercise. We wake up and have a cigar and a cup of coffee. All right. I go to the gym after that. I, I don't think I'm going to get there where I'm going to start my day with cigars. <laughs> But who knows? Karina's going to be... Sometimes end up there, too. You know, sometimes end of the night, just like tonight, you know, 11, 12 o'clock, you get home, and the wife is asleep, the kids are asleep. You're like, what do I do? Pour yourself a scotch, you clip a cigar, and you go sit back and listen to a little Frank Sinatra or a little music, and you mellow out, and you're like, this is, uh, this is what I call a perfect day, perfect yeah. ending. Yeah, I've, I've made the mistake of, uh, of getting into the habit of listening to podcasts while I'm smoking a cigar. So sometimes I'll be sitting in the corner of your shop and I think I'm going to relax. And then I listen to some political podcast that just pisses me off. And I'm just like all riled up. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to put this down or maybe play some chess or just talk to the guys. Try a little little music, man. A little music with your little drink and, you know, good drink, good scotch, good music, good cigar. I bet you're mellow out. Well, I don't care what kind of day you had. You're probably it's like uh, taking a breather. You're like, this is it. Perfect, man. What 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 am I forgetting to asking you about the cigar world? Because that's a pretty perfect place to end it. The end of day cigar, a scotch, some Frank Sinatra. But what did what did I forget to ask you about working in the cigar industry or some crazy story you want to share to end this to close this out? Oh, I would definitely want to thank uh, every cigar maker out there. I want to thank everybody that works hard and make this possible for us to sit down and enjoy and discuss and talk about. Uh, There's not much in our world, man. Our world is simple, very simple. Enjoy. Yeah. That's a great way to end it, man. Thanks for being here. (laughs) Thank you, brother.